better or worse, the relationship between science, film, and media has long been intertwined. We're here to dissect that relationship, turning it inside out for all to see. And throughout the years, one truth has revealed itself. You don't need good science to make a good movie. But it sure makes it better. Buddy, welcome to the Real Science Podcast, the podcast for three highly qualified professionals. Pick a movie and then pick apart the science. My name's Kenan Smith. Oh, my name is Sean Crossan. <laughs> I'm Michael Pace. This is going to be the most insufferable episode of Real Science Cast. <laughs> I'm so ready. As you guys can tell, this is a podcast where we pick a movie and then we talk about the science in that movie and about how accurate it is. Uh, and honestly... This week is going to be pretty good. Yeah, uh, we watched a real humdinger of a science <laughs> movie. Uh, this week we watched Encino Man, mm-hmm. the uh, 1992, and I can't stress the air quotes enough, comedy <laughs> it, uh, starring Polly Shore, uh, Brendan Fraser, and Sean Astin. Oh, yeah. And uh, we watched it, and we're going to talk about it, right? <laughs> I want to I wanna tell the listeners right the fuck now. And this isn't spoiling anything. This movie is fucking garbage. And it's bad. We got about four times the number of questions that we normally get for a movie. I, I still don't understand that. <laughs> Misery loves company, you know? <laughs> just what is everybody it about else it? was watching this and they were just like, I, I hate this. I have to mm-hmm. I have to write into the real science cast to make them talk about it more because I hate them for making me watch it. <laughs> the movie movie is a unique cultural phenomena. It's it's a stain upon the cinematic easel that holds your tapestry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> easel. Yeah. This movie is a the canvas, the canvas, not tapestry. Ruined stitch on the loom of reality. The loom of reality. <laughs> it's not great. It's not great, but it is funny. It is funny. <laughs> you, s- you said comedy, Sean. It is a comedy. It is a funny movie. Mm, debatable. That is debatable. No, it's pretty funny. Holly <laughs> Shore is very funny. It's, it's more like a, it's a loose thread in the tapestry of uh, <laughs> film, you know? Yeah, sure. Pace, before we talk about this gem of a film, yes. this this <laughs> Afghan of a movie on yeah. the, uh, you know, I don't know. What's another word for cinema? <laughs> I can think of more blankets than cinema. Before you listen to our show, there are some things that you should know nice. about us and um, all of our uh, quirks of madness. And to tell you about these, we have our beloved patron, friend of the show, Matthew Lacardi, take it away, Matt. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. You are listening to the real science cast where these three doctors are about to analyze the science and films that you request. You're about to hear some dirty, dirty words, and it is not safe for children. Seriously, they're about to use the words like clitorious and sperm. So strap the fucking cowboys and cowgirls and you gender neutral cows. Yeah! Wow. Wow, that Every was time. as funny as Paulie Shore. <laughs> what? Don't you fucking put that on him. <laughs> Paulie Shore was funnier. Pace loves Paulie Shore, so. I, this is the first movie I've seen with Paulie Shore in it, so. Wait. And you wow. love him. How? Never mind. We'll unpack that later. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. I want you guys to know this was directed by Les Mayfield. Who's oh, that? so was he executed after this movie <laughs> came out or what? <laughs> um, he also made Miracle on 34th Street. What? Oh, yeah, that's a film. <laughs> um, and in that's case a... you were wondering, he also made Flubber. So, okay. Well, I can kind of see the connection here. Yeah, I would say that he's doing better. I don't know. Flubber is very it's a stark funny. contrast. Come on, Flubber is like a thousand times funnier than Encino Man. Have we done Flubber? No, but we should. No. Honestly, we can do any movie now, ever. <laughs> any movie. We can let off the fucking leash. <laughs> I think that we established that a while ago with doing Buckaroo Banzai that you guys did. Yes. I do oh, want yeah, to give right. two more disclaimers. Okay. Uh, in this movie, there are two extremely racist caricatures uh, of oh, some Indian yes. gentlemen and some Hispanic gentlemen. So preface that if you're about to watch the film. Uh, and then there's one very brief moment of stark 90s homophobia at the very end. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. This movie was made in the 90s. That's not to excuse all of the stuff. It's just to, you know, you should expect it in these movies. Give more context. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think... Um, I think... I, so I did the plot last time. Okay. So you guys need to roll to see yeah, who does the we plot. Should okay, roll. yeah, I was trying to remember Agreed. who's going to do it. So Pace and I, we're going to roll D20s, and the person who gets the highest does the plot. Mine's a, a spin down. Die. Wow. Um, Beautiful. Holy shit. <laughs> What'd you what roll? You get? I get a 20. I rolled a 19! <laughs> 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 wow. Wow. Holy fuck. That's amazing. All right. Well, All right. Well, so we open in Encino, California, uh, <laughs> where basically Sean Astin is digging a pool in his backyard by himself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably taken him over a year based on how big the fucking hole is. And how well he's working. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's just him. Uh, and basically, the whole point of the reason he's doing this is because Sean Astin is a, quote, loser at school, and he wants to become more popular and he wants to be the prom king and uh basically the two main characters in this movie are sean astin who plays dave and mm-hmm. then paulie shore who plays a character named stoney that's right and stoney is dave's best friend he's also a loser at school and he's very weird and doesn't really care about being popular like dave does but they're kind of like two peas in a pod you know just just living life you know one one <laughs> one one shovel at a time, I guess. <laughs> so, you literally couldn't think of fucking anything that happened. No, they were just yeah. one California day at a time. They're oh, just California dreaming. Fuck, you know. This movie starts with an earthquake. Mm-hmm. Well, basically, while they're digging, uh, there's an earthquake, and this earthquake opens up the hole uh, that Sean Astin is digging, uh, and it opens it up a little wider, and they basically find a like ancient caveman style bowl Mm -hmm. and they find a block of ice with a person inside of it so uh because i guess they're like the world's strongest men they dig out an entire (laughs) frozen body and bring it into like by themselves and like no no problem well i mean they they do use like they do use like a lift like a like a homemade 
some sort of strange pulley system. Yeah, yeah. They basically hook a pulley to Sean Astin's belt buckle, and he just holds the block of ice, and Polyshore <laughs> pulls him out. Yeah, like, it's, that's pretty much what happens. <laughs> yeah, and I, it seems like it would have made it worse, not better. I don't know, but that's how they pull out. Listen, uh, that's this block it's of not ice. important to the plot of the film. So yeah, and so basically, Sean Astin is like oh shit or dave is basically like whoa this is a man i'm gonna thaw this out and we're gonna be the most <laughs> popular people in school because people will see that we dug up a body from of a caveman so ridiculous it's like huh i'm a i'm a nerd at school you know what will get me to the top of the social ladder if <laughs> i dead if i thaw yeah. if i thaw out a human being from right from i don't know like from ten thousand years ago <laughs> right That'll get me fucked. He literally uses it as a way to like hit on the the, the love interest of the story. Yeah. And I yeah. fucking use that term lightly. Megan Ward plays a character named Robin Sweeney that uh, Sean Astin pays about the same amount of attention to as the lead character in a JRPG. And then they get together at the end of it. And yes, he correct. approaches her and he's like, hey, I found a man out of time in my backyard. We should make out. <laughs> Do you want to fuck? Like, that's lame. Yeah, <laughs> rightly so. <laughs> which, which is what anyone would have said. Uh, so, yeah, but basically, uh, Dave and Stoney are like, oh, shit, we found this guy. We got to thaw him out. So then they just take like a bunch of space heaters. Mm-hmm. They put him in their shed <laughs> and they just surround him with like four space heaters and just like go about their day. Basically, over the course of like 24 hours, this like huge block of ice just melts completely yeah and a an unscathed extremely dirty brendan fraser emerges and he is the caveman who they name link uh basically the entire movie i mean the plot of this movie is pretty not important um but brendan fraser is thawed stoney and dave find him they're like oh my god he's alive like you know Link is trying to, like, build a fire in their house. He doesn't speak any English or any have, like, basic communication skills, doesn't know what's going on in Encino. And they basically, Dave decides that Link is going to be their ticket to the popularity mm-hmm. <laughs> ladder or mm-hmm. whatever the fuck. I don't know how how that that ended up being a thing, but apparently Link is their way into the popular group. Right. <laughs> So Dave and Stoney convince Dave's parents that Link is an exchange student from Estonia uh, who needs to who's going to be living with them while he's there. And they just sort of like play along with his like not clever ruse of convincing them that they already talked about this whole plan. Apparently they're bad parents. Yep. They basically like enroll him in classes and try and make him like a high school student. Mm -hmm. And that is is basically the entire movie. It's just like the hijinks of having a Brendan Fraser caveman yeah. in high school in 1992. And every and everyone at the school wants to fuck this crusty boy. Everyone loves Brendan yeah. Fraser, even though like throughout the movie, he just takes some item that may or may not be food adjacent and just th- like dumps it all <laughs> over his face like he's never eaten before. Sean. And then just... <laughs> It's it everywhere. Sean, we got a message from Sean like this morning or last night or something that was like, this entire movie is Brendan Fraser pouring colored liquid into his body. (laughs) 
and then fucking spitting it back out. It's unreal. Like they do that joke like twelve times yeah. in the fucking movie, and it's never been yeah. funny for any of the times that they did it. <laughs> there's this, no. there's, and not only that, but like there's one of these scenes is when they are in, and arguably the best scene in the movie, but also one of the most racist scenes in the movie is when they go into a Seven Eleven and Polly Shore tells Brendan Fraser what all the major food groups are. And they're all just fucking candy and burritos. But the point is, is they start slurping down on an icy machine, just hitting it straight from the teat, yelling, wheeze the juice. And Brendan Fraser <laughs> pours some down his meaty gullet, spills it all over his body. And then when he walks out the door, he's completely clean. Yeah, he literally, there's so many scenes where he just dumps shit in his face. And then you're like, oh, and it's just all over him. And then there's the next scene. It's gone. Yeah, it's just completely gone. <laughs> But, like, it scarred me mentally. So, like, I just see Brendan Fraser with shit all over his face in this movie. <laughs> Basically, it's just them dicking around doing shit. It's, like, Stony and Link and Dave. And they get to the point where, like, everybody loves uh, Link more than they love Dave. And Dave's love interest basically asks Link to go to the prom with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dave's, like fuck this like the whole reason i wanted to unthaw this guy was so he could make me cool and i could go to the prom with this girl that i like which i forget her name uh, Ma- uh robin sweeney what's the character's name Kenneth? robin sweeney it is robin yeah what's the actress's name Kenneth? megan ward what's the character's name Kenneth? robin sweeney <laughs> uh so dave basically does a fucking like harry and the henderson scene <laughs> where he <laughs> drives link to the middle of nowhere and he's like just get out of here we can't you see i don't watch this anymore. movie and i want you to know i made that exact reference really? when that happened that's, <laughs> that's true all yeah. i could think of when it happened i was like where's john lithgow yeah. like he did a better job at this <laughs> it's better this way yeah it's better this way so he tries to let him go and paulie shore comes up in his scooter and is like yo buddy don't do him wrong like that <laughs> mm-hmm. you know man wheeze the juice and so they basically decide, like, all right, it's cool. Like, we're all friends. You can go to the prom, Link. I'm not going to hold it against you. Link goes to the prom with Robin. Robin's douchey boyfriend, I think his name's Matt, who's just, like, his. he basically, his character association is just the douche. He's just playing a douche. Yeah. There was a similar character in Bubble Boy. Yeah, yeah. It was just the douche, uh, the, right? the love interest boyfriend in that as well. Just the asshole. Just the asshole, exactly. It was just, he might as well just be called the antagonist because that's basically what he is. So yeah, right. he finds out uh, that Link is a caveman and not from Estonia and he finds like some Polaroid pictures that Dave and St- uh, Stoney took when they were thawing him. And he goes to prom to, like, expose him as uh, a fraud. And Link doesn't give a shit because he doesn't fucking understand what anyone's saying half the time. Right. So Matt punches him and Link just, like, picks him up and, like, fucking (laughs) sumo chucks him across the the stage. (laughs) And everyone just cheers and they have a big party and... The hole that they've been digging in the back of Dave's yard fills up with rainwater in California. Yep. The whole pool <laughs> fills up with rainwater. In, in, Ca- in California, during, I presume, May, when the average rainfall is nothing. Yeah, is nothing. There's like a fucking flash flood in Dave's backyard and it fills up an entire like 10 foot pool <laughs> and all of the kids go party. Dave and uh, Robin start making out. There's another earthquake <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> 
fucking Brendan Fraser's girlfriend from the Stone Ages also just gets fucking released <laughs> from yeah, the ground, instantly yeah. thawed. They give her a bath and they're just like hanging out together, and that's how the movie ends. Mm-hmm. That's Encino, it's a happy man. Ending. That's the whole movie. Happy, it's that's a movie. Oh, that's fucking that we watched for our science podcast. So good. It was fine. It was it was fine. Uh, Elisa had a happy ending. Everyone everyone got to fuck. Yeah, right. I was so happy so. because I knew that the movie was over. That was why I was happy at the end. <laughs> it was only ninety minutes, Sean. That was the best part of this movie by far. That it was only ninety minutes. No, that it was yeah. ninety minutes long. <laughs> oh, sure, that too. Um, all right. Well, do you guys want to talk about some science? Yeah, all the science. I do. Yeah, if possible, I guess. I th- hey, there's plenty, Sean. There's plenty. You I just have be- to be able to look for it. Case I don't believe you. I would say that like one of my favorite things, uh, the the most, I think my favorite scientific thing about this movie is uh, so there's actually like a a live example of a compliance method in social psychology that happens in this film, uh, and it's it's something that's commonly known as the door in the face technique where someone makes a very large request that the respondent would most likely turn down and then you make a more reasonable request and the respondent should like comply with that. And this movie does that in trying to get us to like literally anyone in this film other than Polly Shore's character, <laughs> who's not really that great, but in comparison no. to everybody else, he's not bad. He's just not. No, he's judgy. not. <laughs> he's just, he's the, he's far removed from the high school ways. Mm-hmm. He's the voice of reason. There's also a very good scene where he's eating dinner at Sean Astin's parents' place. And the dad is kind of like looking at him like, hey, you're you're over here and you're eating our food. And I'm going to read this quote verbatim and then we can get to the actual science. But Polly Shore says, if you're edged because I'm wheezing all your grindage, just chill. Because if I had the whole Brady Bunch thing happening at my pad, I'd go grind over there. So don't tax my gig so hardcore, Cruster. <laughs> Which is very The thing very is, good. I know exactly what he meant by that. I did that. too. Like, it's so clear. Dude. It's so crystal clear. Sean looks exhausted, so let's get started. Pace, yep. do you want to leave So was off? that where the science is? Was it in that part? Or? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're just getting started, let's Sean. Let's do it. Oh, good. The first thing we have to talk about is obviously... Well, okay. Let's get one thing straight. Mm-hmm. Okay. They dig up. They dig up Ice Boy from the ground. And... Let's be let's be clear. We're in California, in what's a likely a pretty dry, arid area. Arid area, and in his backyard, in Sean Astin's backyard, he digs up a solitary ice block mm-hmm. that happens to have a man inside of it. This seems unlikely. Oh, it sure does. Oh, is it though, Pace? <laughs> I think it is. I think that ice would be uh, would would be water. It would have melted probably a long time ago. I would agree with that. According. To the International Permafrost Association, <laughs> in which they have Jesus a Christ. permafrost map avail- readily available, uh, wow. and moreover have citations from 1997 for the specific map, the levels of permafrost that exist in North America don't even drop below the Great Lakes in regards to lati- uh, okay, latitude. Okay, cool. Sorry, longitude. Cool. Can you tell people what permafrost is? I absolutely can. So the level to which this boy is frozen in the ground would lead us to assume that he would be have to be like embedded in frozen soil. And permafrost is exactly that. So it's a thick subsurface layer of soil that just remains frozen year round and mostly surrounds like polar areas. 
Cool. So but, not but in Zeno, not California. in California. Not, yeah. yeah. And Encino, California. Correct. Weird. No. Wow. Certainly. So not. the movie just started off lying to us, basically. Yeah, pretty much. And even if like the the layer of frozen ground encroaches south during the winter, this fucking takes place in the spring because they're about to have their fucking homecoming. That's true. Yeah, they're about to have yeah. their prom. Yeah. Wait, is yeah. prom in the spring? Is it prom or is it homecoming? Yes, it is. It's prom, dude. It's prom. I'm pretty sure that there's both a fall and spring homecoming sometimes. Okay, well, right? either way, they're either passing through spring or they're passing through summer, so this bitch wouldn't be frozen. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely true. prom. It's, true, it's true, true. Be prom. It's definitely prom because he wants to be the prom king. Mm-hmm. So. Correct, correct. That's true. I mean, homecoming kings are real too, but this isn't science. Yeah, but it's the prom yeah, king. Yeah, true. But no, I'm cutting this out. <laughs> let's go, let's go. <laughs> you guys are not dying on this hill. I'm deciding That's for fair. you. That's fair. Okay. The other thing that we have to point out is that this is a Cro-Magnon man, right? Uh-huh. He's supposed to be a Cro-Magnon man, which are technically homo sapiens, mm-hmm. right? Okay. <clears throat> they are prehistoric humans, but known existence and uh, evidence of the Cro-Magnon man is, and where they lived, was certainly not in Encino, California. What do you mean, Pace? I know, it's crazy. So what do what, you mean, like like... Like Washington area, like <laughs> like you know Canada. You mean like Boise? So you would have to go to France mm. to oh. find to find these well, guys buy a ticket. and gals. So and that's gals. just like a little bit further than Encino. Just a like little it's bit. close. Yeah, like the other, like yeah, like the other side of the world, essentially. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the other, um, what are those called? C- continents. The uh, the <laughs> no, the other hemisphere. Oh, yeah, true, true, true. Uh, given that, you'd be unlikely to find Brendan Fraser in California, likely. Well, Brendan Fraser might be in California, but not... not <laughs> well, not Cro-Magnon man. Yeah. <laughs> not Cro-Magnon man, yes. Yeah. Yes. I see, that makes sense. Okay, so cool. So this whole movie is just like, not only is it not funny, there's literally no accurate science in it. Good to know. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Well, at least it doesn't start off well, does it? Okay, so I, and I know I'm sort of asking a lot of questions here, but that's because... Kenan sort of uh, steamrolled us. Actually, Tori fucking Mackle, friend of the show, <laughs> <laughs> steamrolled us into watching this. So thanks, Tori. I am kind of putting it on Kenan to, you know, tell me all the great bits of science in here, Kenan and Pace, because Kenan was really an advocate for this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, so Kenan, are, are there any redeemable qualities, any redeemable science? I don't want to say that I'm an advocate for this film. I am definitely an you are. advocate for us watching this film. <laughs> Interesting. I feel like that's one and the same, but you know. That's, I think it's Sean. an important slice to that argument. Yes, Pace. I, I have one thing that is fairly accurate. Oh, perfect. Uh, oh, I want to hear Saving it. the day. They're quote unquote, I guess we'll call them like a, a history teacher that they, they were talking about the Cro-Magnon man, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Um, they said that you would be able to likely uh, not you know, be able to distinguish or tell the difference between them and like a modern human if you were to see them out in the street, mm-hmm. right? Yes. This is maybe kind of right, okay. supposedly. A lot of qualifiers. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm trying the best that I can to do this 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 movie credit. I, the The primary difference I would say is it, we're probably like like head size, like the brain capacity was uh, a little bit bigger in the Cro-Magnon man compared to 
modern day humans. Okay, okay. And they were also like a little bit shorter. Interesting, because Brendan Fraser is definitely the tallest person in this movie. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> they would they would have been like on average like five and a half feet tall. Uh, okay. So a little bit shorter than modern it's like day humans. Ken's height. It's like not that. Yeah, like five four <laughs> or like five uh, two. Ken Ken's at least like five nine. I know. I'm just being a dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You it's are. okay. My self worth is not tied to my height. You bastard that's good because you and i are like an inch apart anyways <laughs> it doesn't really matter <laughs> that's true that's true uh, um but other than that they actually do look somewhat similar you'd have to have a it'd have to be a double take moment you'd really have to get up in there to be able to tell the difference so. yeah i mean i feel like if you're dressed like paulie shore anyways you already look pretty wild like so <laughs> people just probably would be like yeah just weird weird dude weird yeah guy. like if you're hanging out with paulie shore then you can get away with a lot of things probably yeah that's true yeah Okay, well that makes sense. Kenan, did you have any awesome nugs of science that you found in this movie? I there's no awesome nugs of science in this movie at all. Um, huh. But <laughs> huh. but I know there's like a greater question that we could answer uh, in regards to cryonics and cryogenics that I think a lot of people yeah continue to have questions about, despite the fact that we definitely did talk. I mean, we talked about it a little bit previously. Um, do you remember which episode we did that on? I don't remember. I I don't, but it was probably a it was it was a space one wherever they usually freeze astronauts. Right, we did it for Interstellar, mm-hmm. and we talked about it in Avatar because they both had long journeys in space. That's very true. Okay, right. I do remember those things. Um, one of the things that's kind of interesting about what happens in this film is that uh, presumably. If we give this movie a little bit of leeway, you know, about a mile of it, mm-hmm. Brendan Fraser would have been frozen in. We'll just pretend that permafrost does exist in California. Okay. The, okay. The only organisms leap, that humans have been uh, have proven to be able to be viable after long-term cryopreservation are roundworms. So nothing nearly as complex as a human being. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That said, yeah, that's be- oh, sorry, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I was just gonna say that's because you know things like frostbite, where like your cells and your skin are just gonna like die from being explode. frozen, and they'll all, yeah, exactly, face like they'll explode because you're like actually frozen. So your the liquid inside your cells will expand, the water will, and it will break the cells apart. Well, so. what if mm-hmm. we could change uh, the properties of the of the water inside of our cells so they wouldn't freeze, Sean? What if we could do that? Wouldn't that be useful? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess it would. <laughs> aren't there, Kenan, aren't there organisms that do that? Yeah, definitely. So there's actually a few vertebrates that do this. Uh, so more complex organisms than things like roundworms or, you know, bacteria, fungi, things like that, that we, you know, that we know that we can thaw out. Something we do day to day in the lab is freeze bacteria, unfreeze them, things like that. Um, so these vertebrates include things like, uh, five different species of frogs, some salamander snakes, a couple of turtles. Uh, but one of the things that we talked about last time we did this was the species of wood, uh, wood frog, Rana sylvatica, uh, Rana sylvatica, that actually increases the concentration of glucose. So just regular sugar in their bodies during the cooling process during the winter. Uh, and this actually allows them to avoid, having a crap load of ice or crap load of water in their body that then forms ice crystals and destroys their tissues because they're changing the viscosity of their body and thus the freezing temperature. Wow. Okay, so Brendan Fraser did that. I assume so. He's just mostly sugar. Yeah. He's yeah. part frog. <laughs> this doesn't happen for mammals, right? Like It does happen for mammals. Oh, uh, like which mammals? So there's one 
there's one squirrel, the Arctic ground squirrel that lives in Alaska. And basically every winter uh, for about nine months, the animal itself completely freezes over Whoa. Uh, and remains frozen for that period of time. Uh, and supposedly this is just because kind of similar to what you were saying, um, you know, can their, their body produces kind of a what essentially functions as an anti, like an anti antifreeze protein, um, cool. which allows them to remain cold, super in that super cold temperature for so long that prevents their cells from literally bursting open. About um, nine months. Is this squirrel living like winter months. fell? Like that's pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's buck wild. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's pretty bonkers. Um, but uh, apparently they also have like a diminished ability to feel cold, like uh, like in regards to their actual nervous system. Um, because sense. if they were like if they were actually able to feel the degree of cold they were experiencing, they wouldn't be able to hibernate for that long. They'd just be in constant pain. Yeah, right. Their body would wake up and be like, hey, stop being so fucking cold. Like find somewhere um, warm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, cool. So instead okay. of like um, making so instead of altering kind of the composition of their bodily fluids in order to. Um, like prevent ice crystal formation. Well, they're doing, I guess, the same thing, right? Like they do that too. Yeah, yeah. Getting mm-hmm. rid of things that allow like ice crystals to nucleate or to actually start forming. Right. That's pretty rad. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What? That's cool. I mean, that's cool that Brendan Fraser was able to do that. That's awesome. Well, I will tell you, Sean, the the Brendan Fraser <laughs> is either a frog or a squirrel, but he might also be a baby, um, because oh. uh, a, a or baby? at the very least a pre baby, so an embryo. Um, a pre-baby. <laughs> right. so, <laughs> so actually embryo, uh, embryonic cryopreservation is something that we've been doing for quite a while now. So this is a method where you will take a embryo that typically one that is uh, left over after a cycle of in vitro fertilization. So you have a leftover embryo. You know, we want to be able to use that so that we can provide it to somebody else if they're looking for a viable fetus eventually. What scientists can actually do, doctors can actually do is go through this process of cryopreservation of these embryos so that later on in the process of what's known as frozen embryo transfer. So this is a step uh, of, in, within assisted reproduction in which you take an embryo and you plant that into the uterus of a female uh, with the intent to establish pregnancy. Um, and there's two different ways of doing it, which I can cover in a second, but that's actually been shown hey. after repeated process, uh, repeated times of doing this that um, there's no evidence of a difference in live birth rate. Uh, there's no evidence of uh, any increase in birth defects or anything like that. So it's actually a pretty viable way hmm. um, to do pregnancy assistance in human beings just by literally freezing embryos, which is pretty cool. That's cool. So we can freeze pre-humans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, we still freeze humans. Like there are... Aren't there cryogenic facilities in the U.S. and um, and okay. Russia well, that have frozen humans, like dead, like dead humans? Yeah, but that's that that's different. Yeah, because they don't come back to life when you thaw hey, them. We don't know that Listen, yet. Listen, let me let me preface this with the fact that you know okay. we're dealing with embryos, so this is far less com- uh, complicated than. Well, they're very simple. Uh, exactly, right? like it's a simpler. Than, than a full human being. Um, one of the ways that we can get away with this is through two different processes. One of them is called slow programmable freezing, which sounds really, really complicated. But realistically, we take an embryo and we do to it kind of like what Pace was talking about with a ground squirrel, where we um, uh, we can add additional, we can add biomaterials basically uh, to this embryo so that it impedes ice crystal growth, so you're not ruining the cells within the embryo itself, and then very, very slowly remove 
uh, or very, very slowly cool down that embryo to freezing temperatures, giving ample time for water to leave cells and enter an extracellular place, a space. And then when ice crystals do form, or if they do form, uh, or you get solid ice here, you're not destroying that ce- the cells in the process. So in, a- in essence, those mm. cells are protected. The other method of doing this is actually something known as vitrification. Uh, and vitrification in bare bones, we don't, won't go uh, super into it, but basically it's extremely rapid cooling. But the cooling is so rapid that the water molecules are not given ample time to arrange themselves uh, into an, in an ordered fashion. So into a lattice or basically like a network, an ordered network. Like an ice cube. Exactly. Right. Or like ice crystals. So like if you look at the, like say a snowflake, right? Like the, like what that shape looks like. That's what it looks like when you're forming these ice crystals. Those poke into the cells and murder them. So when you do vitrification, you do this very quickly. The water doesn't have time to order and you just get what's basically like a solid liquid. Um, because you're not forming hmm. ice in essence. Interesting. That's very cool. But I'm also a huge nerd. So yeah, that's fair. It's it's actually <laughs> uh, we should talk about it on a bonus episode at some point because vitrification is a process we use in cryoelectron microscopy, which is something I did cool. for grad school. That's cool. That I mean, that's really cool that Brendan Fraser was able to do that mm-hmm. to himself, yeah. like in the middle of an avalanche when he was frozen. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. The, but the yeah, pre-human. Yeah, he thought really hard about it. Yeah, he just mm-hmm. was like freeze, and then he just fucking <laughs> did. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly right. Sean, are you, are you trying to say that if we offered to freeze you whenever you were near death or or had just died, you wouldn't want us to do that so that we could magically revive you 100 years from now? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't I hadn't planned on it, to be honest. But, you know. Well, you don't you don't plan that far. Ahead. Don't yeah, plan, I don't that, far plan ahead. that far ahead. It's depressing, <laughs> face. I'm 28. Calm down. <laughs> oh, you're only 28. Yeah. yeah. Man, you act like you're 50. What? <laughs> I shouldn't do that. My parents are in their 50s. They're going to be like, we don't sound like that. What are you doing? Yeah, a bunch uh, of old ass. Yeah. Wow, don't say that. They're our number one fans. <laughs> that is actually true. Well, is there more science you guys wanted to talk about? Or Pace, did you want to talk about these cryofreezing facilities uh, all over the globe? Yeah. I mean, I think they're interesting because people are trying to do this, mm-hmm. right? So I think... Uh, based upon what I was able to find, there are uh, there are companies, uh, cryonics facilities that are operating in the U.S. and Russia. Uh, the one in the U.S. has about like 160 people frozen, and the one in Russia has about 100, about, um, about 60 wow. people. Uh, and Australia is currently trying to set up their own cryonics facilities. And so, what they do is they once this is it happens like immediately post death. Like someone dies, they'll take the body. And they'll put it on ice until uh, uh, the cryonic technicians come. Then they completely drain the body of blood. Um, cool. And then they re- they replace it with, and as far as I know, this is just, it's just called an organ preservation solu- uh, solution. Uh, and this is then followed by a cryoprotectant solution, which are supposed to be just like concoctions of um, uh, mixtures of chemicals that are trying to essentially protect your body and cells from the damaging effects of mm-hmm. cold. I mean, uh, which is to be expected uh, and prevent ice crystals from forming. I'm I'm skeptical hey, of, Pace, of this. This yes. shit's fucking buck wild. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I, it's, <laughs> I think it's so dumb. <laughs> in, in general, 
uh, and I feel very confident saying this, cryonics in general is regarded as pseudoscience, like, and, yeah, and fringe it, yeah, pseudoscience. Sure. So there's there's an entire society for cryobiology, and they have issued a public statement saying that cryonics is not science and is in fact just right. a personal choice on how a human might want their body disposed of. And it will remain in that area of scientific thought until someone successfully revives someone who has been frozen. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> At this point, you're just freezing dead people. Well, I think also part of this is that people aren't people undergoing this when they have like terminal diseases or something. Because isn't the thought that like mm. they become frozen and then they are somehow going to be able to be revived and treated in the future when we have the technology to both revive and treat the disease that they had? Yeah. Because like if you're dead, like if you have a heart attack your heart's not working like just unfreezing you doesn't make you alive you know like you need to right fix exactly. whatever killed you yeah. right yeah i mean uh, so like 100 yep. percent. yep like it's not only like people are like i'm a healthy person that's gonna freeze myself and then you can tell me later it's like unhealthy people who are dying from some other cause and then they become frozen to add insult to injury yeah i mean not to like dump on the dead or anything like that but the first person who was frozen uh was frozen in 19 like with the hope for revival was frozen in 1967 his name was james bedford uh was an american psychology professor at the university of california and if it kind of like gives you an insight his body was frozen by a tv repairman uh with zero scientific background um so like like, i'm just here to fix the tv i don't understand why you keep having me freeze you i'm not saying that if you fix tvs you can't have a scientific background but very specifically stipulated this person did have no scientific training and froze a boy. <laughs> and they fixed TVs. Yes. That's yes. got to be mm-hmm. It's gotta be the worst fucking call, mm-hmm. right? Like they call you, your boss is like, hey, yeah, we need you to head out to this neighborhood. They're having an issue with their TV. And you're like, yeah, no problem. I'll go out there. It should be like an hour appointment. And you get there and the guy's like, hey. Can you freeze me? <laughs> well, to, <laughs> and you're to, like, to be fair, my final to be historically request. accurate, the man died from cancer first, and then, yeah, I'm see, not saying he like yeah. died in his apartment mm-hmm. and the TV repairman showed up to fix his Sony and was like, I better freeze this. <laughs> like that's not what happened. <laughs> it was like, oh shit, I haven't gotten paid yet. Fuck, I gotta freeze. <laughs> we can unthaw him later. <laughs> he got that check. This is gonna bounce unless we cure this. He wakes up and he's like, where's my money? <laughs> where's my money? Uh, beautiful. I froze you in 67. <laughs> I'm here to get paid. <sighs> Jesus. Uh, before <laughs> before we rate the movie. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, I, sorry. No, 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 no wait. He said before. My bad, my bad, really my quick. bad, my bad. I, I have a quote that I found from... Um, this is a scientist uh, who works with uh, the wood frogs that we discussed. This person c- commented on the current state of modern uh, cryonics. And this was, <laughs> this was their quote. Uh, they're, ta- they're talking about the solutions that like, they inject in people's bodies after they drain the blood. Mm-hmm. right? Uh, this person said, The solutions do not penetrate the cells or solve damage in frozen cells, tissues, and organs, etc. cannot be fixed. They are hella dead and scrambled. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Are they from California? Is what this guy said. <laughs> they are hella dead. And scrambled. Hella dead and scrambled. And scrambled. It's very good. Wow. I love that. All right, guys. Mm-hmm. 
Are you ready? Yes. Maybe. To rate this bitch. Wee, 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 wee. Burr, 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 burr. Wheeze the juice. I'm very ready. Wee, Wheeze wee, the wee, juice. Wee. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's do these ratings quick. All right. Who's first? I'll go, go first. Kenneth. Yes. All right. As far as entertainment, wait, as far as the science goes in this movie, I'm going to give it a one out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Sorry. Okay. One out of ten. There's no. There's no science in this movie. No. One out of five. That's. Those are my scales. Come on. That's my scale. One out of five. Uh, and then for the entertainment, I'm gonna give it. All right. I would give this a five out of five, but there's some decent racism you in it. You fucking monster. So I'm uh, because of that. I'm gonna knock it down to a four out of five. Oh all my right. god. Well, Sean, why don't you why don't you Perfect. express your opinions when it's your turn? How about that? Tell him why. Tell him why he's wrong, Sean. Okay, I'm giving the science zero out of ten on this movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's very. That's good. a little harsh. That's harsh. Okay, how about this? That's a point harsh. five out of ten because there is some science and it's wrong. It's all wrong. Um, Every single bit of so it. So point five out of ten. Entertainment. I'm gonna give this movie a one out of ten because it sucks. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. What? It's terrible. Oh, that's so rude. Ugh. It's an awful movie, and it's probably so one of Pauly Shore's best movies. <laughs> so it is. I'm amazed that you gave this a higher rating than Bubble Boy, or a lower rating than Bubble Boy. They're both awful. Okay, I mean that's that is objectively true. <laughs> They're both <laughs> yeah, so true. bad. Pace, what did you yeah. think of this shitty film? Um. For the science, I'm going to give it a 2 out of 10. Okay, I guess a 1 out of 5, but 2 out of 10. Um, the only science that I can hang my hat on is the essentially pointing out that you might not be able to distinguish the modern human from the Cro-Magnon man. Um, Pace, they found so, a frozen man in Encino, California. Yes, that's the other <laughs> 8 out of 10, Sean. <laughs> I mean, that's okay. why I gave it a 1 out of 5, because for that specific comment about uh, early man. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, All right. Everyone's entitled to their own science rating. For the entertainment, I'm going to give it 6 out of 10. Nice. What is wrong with you guys? Driven driven purely by how much I was laughing my ass off at Polly Shore's one-liners mm-hmm. in this movie because he was hilarious. He his own language. He was so funny. I it was very good content. Beyond a shadow of a doubt that I did not even crack a smile during this film. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're fucking I was heartless. watching it like... I am grossed out by all of the shit Brendan Fraser's dumping into his face right now, and I do not like where this is going. You're dead inside. Are you even alive, Sean? Mm-hmm. My funny bone must be broken, guys. <laughs> yeah. It's more like a... Oh, well, I, I would think more like that, a funny... Not even a funny ligament. I would think that we could go straight to the questions, right? Are you guys ready for some questions? Yes. Are you kidding me, Kenan? We gotta do... Let's skip Sean's segment. <laughs> yeah, we gotta do my, my quote segment. Oh. What? You okay. Segment? No, no, I'm ready. All right. It's called Sean. Sean's What's the jingle? Kenan just fucking free form scats at each time. <laughs> That's not true. I do the same jingle every time. Do, would you like that to happen? Okay. Yeah, do it, man. Let's hear it. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, yeah. This is exactly <laughs> like last time. Uh, uh, uh. Here comes Sean to do the session. I mean, the section. I said it wrong the first time. My name is Sean, and I'm here to say <laughs> I love quoting movies in a major way. Uh, 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 uh. This is so bad. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Please stop. Welcome to Sean's Quote Corner. Uh, today, Brush we're going to read the quotes. Brush your teeth and stay in school. If you don't like okay. Sean's quotes, then you're okay. a fool. Okay. okay. That was funnier than everything in Encino. <laughs> so, <laughs> Rotten Tomato. I read the Rotten Tomatoes quotes. And for Encino Man, because it's such a bad movie that no one likes, there's only two quotes on Rotten Tomatoes. Normally, I read wow. three. So, the first quote from Stoney Brown is, keep on cruising. That's the quote. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Which is pretty bad. 
And That's it, a good quote. I mean, it's fine, I guess. Like, That's, there's so you many know who stole ones. that? Hey, Finding Nemo That's stole not... that with Just Keep Swimming. <laughs> That's a... What? It's not a... <laughs> Finding Nemo stole that quote with Just Keep Swimming. Pace, none of the words in the statement you just said are sh- like are shared between those two quotes. He's got a point. Keep on cruising, just keep swimming. None of the words they are mean even the shared. Same thing. They're the same. They're the same. Okay, thing, well, how about Sean, this one? Functionally, how about this one? Stony okay, Brown all right, says, "Lay it on me." Wheeze the juice. No, no, that's a quote. <laughs> that's a quote. Yeah, right that's there. a quote. That that is yeah. a quote. I'm not going to say that anyone else has copied that because that's too well. That's absurd. good because the first to... one, the only thing that they had in common was a gerund. So I don't know yeah, if I can right. sign up for that. I also wrote down my. <laughs> so there's only two quotes on Rotten Tomatoes. I wrote down my own quote from the movie, which I thought was actually okay. uh, fucking wild. Yeah. So when Stony and Dave are having a fight at the end of the movie, Dave says to Stony. The only thing you care about is nugs chilling and grindage. grindage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh. Yeah, that was pretty good. Guys, I know we're running a lot of time, but I, I have to tell you, I forgot about this. my main gripe with this movie. Okay. Okay. There is no scene in this movie. There's a character named Stoney who loves nugs and grindage. There is no scene where they smoke out Brendan Fraser, the caveman. Oh, yeah, that's he, a good nope, point. Sure no don't. fucking scene. I was yeah. like, oh, of course, Stoney and Dave are going to smoke weed yeah. with Brendan yeah. Fraser, the caveman, yeah. and he's going to be really high and wheezing the juice, and they're going to love it, and it's going to be a great fucking you, half-baked family fun scene. And it just wasn't there. This is the greatest insight that anyone has ever made in the films on two different levels. One, there is no way that two fucking clear potheads from high school right. like high school potheads from California don't get a caveman they found in their backyard high yeah. as you said like literally yeah. they talk about nugs which are obviously referring to weed nugs in this movie and they don't ever show anyone smoking nope. weed i'm like what the fuck is happening the other part of this it's just a is it is a comedy quote unquote comedy movie made in the 90s there's no way that a comedy movie made in the 90s, they don't smoke weed with someone who doesn't know what weed is in order to make it. Right? Joke. Exactly. I was like, I was like, this this movie has <laughs> this is why I rated it so badly, guys. I was like, there's there's so many better scenes that could have been in this movie and they just weren't. All right. It's enough it's of a my missed opportunity. It's an, it is a missed opportunity base. Pace. Do you want to gently lead us into the question zone? I would love to lead us into the question zone. Somehow, for this movie, we received a huge number of questions, at least relatively to what we normally get. Uh, and this is a phenomenon that I'm not going to be able to explain or try to explain. Um, and, Wrong. you know, it's something. Uh, I think <clears throat> first we are going to hit on uh, some questions that we discussed already in the movie. Um, so one question that we got was, uh, from, uh, Merman, Curtis Ryan DeGraw, a friend of the show at abnormal Mormon on Twitter. Uh, and he asks other than freezing, are there other methods for, or at least theories about preserving cells in a way that would allow them to be revived later? Um, and this is a good question, which we kind of covered during our Mm -hmm. discussion of cryonics, uh, and, and the kind of things that go along with that. Um, thank you for your question, Merman. We methods of it. slow freezing and the use of cryopreservatives. 
Yeah, we can't exactly really right. save cells without cooling them to to some degree, like and recover them later. Really, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least not not at this point in time. Not that I know. With currently available technology, not without time magic. Um, nope. Oh well, yeah. Without... If you got the time magic, you're good to go. <laughs> good. Yeah, if that you're Gucci. Yeah, you're Correct. Gucci. You're sitting pretty on that time magic, yeah. you know. Using the time magic. Next, uh, we have a question uh, from Bart at Dented Car Door. On Twitter, Bartholomew Hoffman, thank you for your question. Friend of the show, if we wanted to free someone for 100 years, what is standing in our way uh, from returning them back to healthy in 2119? Is there any way to prevent the damage without aging them 100 years Ooh. in the process? Mm. I, mm. I want to answer this question under the okay. assumption that we can successfully freeze and unfreeze people. Okay, that's yeah, a huge assumption, Kenneth. It is. It is, but it's a leap that we're taking temporarily. Yes, a suspended disbelief for one moment. So, provided we can do that, the property, the, the things that cause people to age, other than the slow march of time, are eventual cellular damage, right? So, like, the just natural mm-hmm. degradation of the body's processes as all of these things wear out. So, if you have successfully frozen a person in time... Uh, not actually in time. We're not talking about time magic here. But if you completely freeze a human being and you are actually able to thaw them back, back out afterwards, provided you have stopped those biochemical processes from occurring, then they would not age because right. the, there are not enzymes running rampant around their body and like causing their normal activity. Cells are not going through the process of you know uh, their standard meta- uh, metabolic cycles. Respiration. Right. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. No, you wouldn't age. Yeah, you would not age. You, which would be yeah, cool. If you could effectively free someone. The biggest hurdle is that we don't have a way to, um, to, to thaw someone and have them live. Yep. So Now, if we were to use right. something like the Arctic ground squirrel, for example, um, they are not technically completely frozen. There's, their hearts are still beating. They're still like, their, their like bodies are still technically active, even though they're surviving these sub-zero temperatures and they're completely shut down. That would still you would still be aging under those processes. It's that's more of a hibernation, mm-hmm. I suppose, is a way of, of thinking about that. And that's only for about you know nine months. It's not mm-hmm. even a year exactly that they do that. So it's a different situation. Um, but thank you for the question, thanks, Bart. Bart. Um, thanks, Bart. Next, we will go into a question uh, from Tori at Tori Mackle on Twitter, friend of the show. Uh, how do modern human brain structures differ from the hominid species that Brendan Fraser is supposed to be imitating? Would he even be able to understand modern methods of verbal communication? This is a really good question. Um, there has been some modeling analysis done on the Cro-Magnon uh, using the skulls of, uh, the, of our Cro-Magnon ancestors mm-hmm. and uh, modern humans. And while they are similar, there's been actually a little bit of Downs uh, like downscaling and reorganization of the human, uh, the modern Homo sapien brain relative to the uh, ancient prehistoric Cro-Magnon, um, and essentially, you know, they were kind of mapped, you know, certain areas that are slightly different sizes, uh, but overall, the modern human brain is actually smaller mm-hmm. uh, than the Cro-Magnon brain was. And uh, regarding speech, though, anatomically, yes, there were a lot of, of the same areas for speech production and speech you know comprehension but uh the limitation i think would be the fact that the the, the context surrounding Bird and fraser understanding language 
in the state in which he is revived. Yeah, I agree. He has uh, aged into adulthood, so his uh, maybe primary, you know, adept stage understanding and comprehending language has has passed. So, you know, it's he's not just going to pick it up like that. Right. right? Like we are all the three of us are theoretically capable of learning French, of like being able to speak French. Right. But it's harder yes. for us to learn it now than it would have been when we were kids yeah right like i think it's yeah. also important and sean actually i'm not going to take credit for this because sean actually mentioned it when we were discussing early on but like language is definitely contextual and mm-hmm. brendan Fraser, like not only because he is an adult and he's like quote past his capabilities of being able to pick it up but he also has been raised in this like far early environment right like it in 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 the environment of early man he has absolutely zero context for anything that's happening around him at all so he's learned like a whole variety of social norms that were appropriate to i guess him and his cave nug um that he's just not that are not at all going to translate into the modern world there's so many more other things like being able to learn language period like any language that require context yeah exactly yeah you need to know Mm -hmm. the context of what the language is actually involved in and based off of and there's like a cultural link with the language too so to answer your question tori no he can probably make the sounds that he needs to Mm -hmm. um to speak like english but it's pretty unfeasible that he would be able to really learn english right he'd be parroting which he does Mm -hmm. in the movie he does he Quite does do that, movie. correct. So. He says gazongas a couple of times. He does say gazongas Gazonga. a few times. Another great <laughs> quote from this movie. <laughs> All right, Pace, hit us with another one. It's uh, ridiculous. Uh, next question comes from Kelly McCardle, a uh, friend of the show. Thank you, Kelly. Um, and Kelly asks, um, regarding Brendan Fraser, uh, wouldn't he be experiencing way more trauma from the shock and of the immense environmental changes that he's experiencing uh, being revived in this mm. way, uh, executive dysfunction, anxiety, um, et cetera. Uh, this is also a very good question. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, he, this person has been fucking thrust into the middle of the modern world. So we talked about these like cultural differences. Right. But I have to imagine that just like the pure trauma of being one frozen and separated from the love of his life very clearly. Uh, but also mm, waking yes. up in a complete, like basically waking up in a nightmare would tax this man's brain beyond its limits. Yeah, I mean, like the like existential crisis he's having at the beginning of the movie when he's first unthawed. I feel like that ended so quickly. Like maybe it was just Paulie Shore's like soothing fucking colloquialisms <laughs> yeah. that like snapped him out of his fugue state. But like. No, he he transitioned so quickly. Yeah, right. It was pretty fast. He he really like did. I would yeah. be balled up in the corner in the fetal position still from 1992 right. if I were Brendan Fraser. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. The culture shock would be immense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He does throw a shovel at a trash truck. That kind of he did do that. You know, yeah. He did do that, which I guess is is pretty buck wild. He, so. he also doesn't because of all of these like. <laughs> lack of comprehensions on learning human language at this stage in his life but also like out of time like he would have a massive amount of anxiety and would have absolutely zero way to address it that's exactly right (laughs) yeah Yeah. right exactly yeah Mm -hmm. i agree uh 
So thank you for the thank question, you, Kelly. Kelly. Let's move on to the last question we're going to cover for the episode. Uh, and that is from uh, Lauren Pace at AKA Lofro on Twitter. Um, first of all, why do brain freezes even happen when you eat or drink something frozen? But also, why, instead of brain freeze, does my throat choose to feel as though it's in a frozen iron grip? <laughs> that was that was a very visceral description. Wow. That's fucking She's good. She's been wheezing <clears throat> the juice too much. <laughs> Clearly just wheezing way She's too really much She's really wheezing the juice. <laughs> <laughs> wheezing too hard. The juice is strong with this one. Kenan, do you know how brain freeze works? Yeah, I do, actually. So, brain freeze so, is... So, like, you're wheezing... You're, sorry, let me set the stage. So, you got some juice. Yeah. And you're going to wheeze it. I'm wheezing hard. And then you get brain freeze. Yeah, I Go. do. Yeah. Well, for starters, I can't call it brain freeze because the word... Brain, the term brain freeze has actually been trademarked by 7-Eleven. Um, that's oh, what? not at all a joke, but we're not here to talk about trademark law. Are you see? Wait, 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 wait. Are you sure? Because we could be. You mean I have to start cashing checks to 7-Eleven because I've said brain freeze like my entire life? I'm pretty sure those are the rules. <laughs> um, but what we can call it, uh, oh, I mean, people often call this thing like an ice cream headache, right? Um, those are all colloquialisms for yeah. something that's known as a cold stimulus headache. Um, so this is like <laughs> no one calls it that. Yeah, it, well, doctors do probably. <laughs> Only nerds call it that. CSH. So all of us. <laughs> <laughs> fair, 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 fair. So either way, the yeah. the reason this happens is because you have a nerve that runs into your face, um, which conducts uh, any pain or anything like that. Um, sensations from the front of your face up from about your forehead down to about where your chin is and on the sides as well. Uh, this is known as the trigeminal nerve. Um, and this nerve actually also conducts signals from blood vessels that exist in your soft palate, so the roof of your mouth. Um, so there are blood vessels that run down to that, and when you expose it to extreme cold, you get this sensation of those blood vessels constricting and then dilating. And doing that rapidly actually stimulates that trigeminal nerve, and when that signal gets conducted, it feels like it's the pain is coming from your forehead, which is why it's called, often referred to as an ice cream headache or a cold stimulus headache. Right. Or brain freeze. Mm, brain freeze. You can actually get this, too, in very cold weather. So, like, if you're breathing heavily in cold weather, you can get the exact same uh like exact Sensation. same stimulation. You can also get it done. It can also happen in hot weather, but you have to have, like, I don't know. I guess you would have to like drink a cold beverage and then be in the fucking desert and take a deep breath or something. But either way, it's that rapid right. constriction and dilation that causes that pain. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Thanks, Lauren. That was cool. Fun to look you. up. Canon, and thank you, Lauren, for the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for the question. We received a bunch of other questions for this, which we are going to answer on our next mailbag. We are. What is that? Oh. <laughs> I was just going to say we're not going to answer questions like from Doug Miller at Saglag on Twitter, a friend of the show. Thank you for the question. Since their cells weren't cryoprotected before freezing, wouldn't their brains be goopy and taste like Jello? Well, we can't comment on what their brain would taste like. Wait, wait, wait. Although are now, we answering your question? I'm insanely or like, curious now. Hmm, they would be, I guess we are. They would be goopy as fuck, though. Goopy as fuck. They would be goopy. Yeah. Goopy. And you know, they probably would. Uh, no, they wouldn't taste like They might Jell-O. taste like gelato, though. So. Oh, for sure. You guys are both Absolutely. wrong. They would taste like goopy brain. Well, well, that's no, no fun. fun. I guess we have to end the fucking episode now. Oh, they taste like a magical <laughs> ice cream Yay! treat. Mm. Mm. Yummy. We're here. Thank you, Sean. Back in the fun space. I think what Pace was trying to say after I so rudely interrupted him was that 
we are going to answer these questions that are remaining on our mailbag episode, which will be our next episode. Mm-hmm. So in two weeks, Correct. in two weeks, we will answer your questions. They can be about science. They could be about not science. Yeah. Uh, they could be about our personal lives. They can be about a movie we previously watched or a movie that we haven't watched. Mm-hmm. Um, but send them in to us uh, at Real Science Cast on Twitter or email us at realsciencecast at gmail.com or post them on our Facebook page. And if you have any science cat related questions, be sure to send them to realsciencecats at gmail.com. Yes, that is very true. I will tell you right now that in regards to the Real Science Cast, we have a dearth of questions that are not about Encino Man. Uh, and in regards to Real Science Cats, we only have the singular email that was a lot of meowing. <laughs> so some of us do... I believe it was a lot of wolfing. A lot of wolfing, sorry. We, some of us do have cats and could answer cat questions. Um, but either way, please... That's true. Please hit us with some questions. I'll put up an Instagram post as well. That's at Real Science Cast on Instagram. Uh, and you can also ask questions there. Yep. Yeah, and we're yep. going to try to cover some of the questions that we got sent in for our last mailbag and we didn't get to, um, but please keep sending them in. Again, we've like we've saved them. If we don't get to them this time, we'll save them for the next time, so yeah. it's always worth sending and them And if in. you know you asked a question last time and we didn't get to it, help us out, send it to us again, and we'll fucking answer it. Sure. Yeet. Is that it? Uh, thanks to Otis McDonald for the use of the song Third Eye Blimp as the intro and outro to our Hell show. Yeah. Nice. And I would like to thank all the listeners for sticking with the show and i'd like to thank our patrons because we really appreciate the support um from you and i I have a favor to ask the listeners and it would make everybody happy oh yeah for sure if you like the show tell a friend tell a friend to listen to the show uh do it you know steal their phone subscribe to it on spotify itunes whatever download all 58 episodes or what the fuck ever and fill up their phone with our podcast exactly if you like it and like we hope you do because you're listening to it just uh tell a friend it really helps us out we don't really advertise the show or anything so it's really the only way we get new listeners and uh but yeah thank you for your continued listenership yeah thank you a five-star review also helps us boost our visibility within the uh, podcasts app for space. sure if you go onto the itunes uh or the itunes podcast app and you go on give us a five-star rating and review or actually even if you want some old people to listen to our show you can go on facebook wow. and give us a uh, a rating uh and then all those oh, good, yeah. good olds will get on and listen <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> give me this all show olds. this show slaps these yeet kids are really killing <laughs> dab, it dab 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 <laughs> Dab, 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 dab. <laughs> All right, I think we need to end the show. I got to go buy groceries at 8.30 yep. on a Wednesday. How exciting for you. My name's Kenneth Smith. Oh, sounds fun. My name is Sean Crossan. And I am Michael Pace. All right. Nugs. You don't need good science to make Encino, man. <laughs> <laughs>